Well, we're entering the home stretch here, aren't we? We only got two or three chapters left to go, so let's settle in. I think the thing we're going to focus on here, the shift we're making is, I mean, the first half of the book is recruiting is broken. And then there's a lot of like, hey, it's broken, but if we look at it differently, there's lots of different ways to solve it. And then there was a lot of good ideas and bad ideas, you know, task type stuff. In this chapter, we're going to talk about what it means to do the job. And I think this is actually going to extend to two chapters. What does the job of being an employer brand specialist, manager, director, owner, whatever it is, what is the job itself and how do you do the job better? That's what we're going to talk about when we get back and we talk about facing the unknown. We'll be right back. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Thank you for coming back to the TalentCast. It is season two, which means it's the podcast version of the audiobook update of the book Talent Chooses You. Wow, I said that right the first time. That's amazing. I've <laughs> like 27 episodes and I'm, I'm finally nailing the intro. Uh, this is all brought to you by RecruitmentMarketing.com. They are the community for recruitment marketing professionals. Go check out what they're doing, all the content they have. Just so you know, there is one more Ask Me Anything where you get to ask me anything via RecruitmentMarketing.com. So go to RecruitmentMarketing.com, sign up, find out when the next Ask Me Anything is in July, and uh, you know we can talk. Also, if you're really starting to enjoy this whole employer brander thing, I have a newsletter. 2,200 people are subscribed to it right now. It's really yet another extension of this kind of podcast. It's helping lots of people start to use employer brand thinking to recruit and hire better. If you go to employerbrandheadlines.substack.com, you can sign up for free. And just so you know, when you sign up for free, you get my free ebook called Employer Brand Hacks. It's 105 free or, well, almost free different ways to activate your employer brand. So go check that out. Go to employerbrandheadlines.substack.com and go sign up. It's free. All right, let's get into it. Employer brand professionals are a strange lot in that we are often people without a country. If we're based inside the recruiting team, we really aren't recruiters. If we live in marketing, we're a very different kind of marketer. The market itself is still emerging to define what it is we do. So commonly, we're only noticed when things go wrong. We're kind of like a plumber, right? You don't think about your plumbing very often until, well, it's all over the place, right? You only think about this stuff when it goes wrong. But this is our rallying cry, a flag that all employer brand professionals can point to and say, yep, this is why we're amazing. This is why we're different by design. That, you know, in a way that recruiters and HR and business leaders and marketers and comms people can really understand. I mean, those are our big partners internally. So we need them to get how and why we're different and how and why that's a good thing. So this is, think of it as a manifesto that declares, hey, we're not your swag mavens. We're not your post job post writers. We're not your tool buyers. We're the orchestra conductors. We see the big picture. We understand and communicate the brand of the world so that the entire business grows. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to steal something from Edward, Edward de Bono. And Edward de Bono, if you don't know, he wrote a lot of books. He's a super smart thinker guy. He wrote Six Thinking Hats. It is an absolute classic on how to solve problems creatively. I know that when I read it for the first time uh, years ago, I was blown away. I'm like, oh, of course. It's just one of those books that really kind of makes you think and makes you think better about the work you do in every single regard. So highly recommend Employer brand professionals often find themselves solving their own challenges while swapping between their own hats, right? And I wanted to define those hats. It helps you kind of figure out, understand what the challenges are, how you're, what you're bringing to the table. And I think there's actually an interesting through line that suggests how high up the, 
totem pole, ladder, organizational pie chart, whatever you got, where those ideas and those hats are most effective. There are three hats, right? There's, there's the tactical hat, there's the strategy hat, and there's the politics hat. And we're going to go through each one, one by one. So first, the tactical hat. This isn't some idle notion. I mean, really, when, when most of us start an employer brand, we're often tasked with thinking very tactically. You, go write a job post. You, go respond to a review. You, go run that event, right? Go manage a process. Go do a thing. It's very much a do kind of situation. Go do the thing. Sometimes it's write the uh, social media post. Sometimes it's take the picture. Sometimes it's edit the video. It's very much an action-oriented thing. Those are the tactics. And we create the job by simply specializing in some form of usually content creation, right? Some sort of arcania that recruiters don't want to touch, right? You are the, the master at getting and telling stories via Instagram or LinkedIn or video, whatever it is, right? You are really good at this one thing. It's something that you do better than anybody else and frankly, no one else wants to do, so they're th willing to throw it at you. So once you've established that kind of expertise, it's really often that we learn to properly manage those tactics necessary to manage the brand, usually by bolting on new skills, learning new tools, and adding new weapons. So if you come in being a writer and you are good at writing job posts, you learn to write social, you learn to write video, you learn to write all sorts of stuff, more, maybe more corporate writing and less creative writing, more, uh, I don't know, there's lots of different ways to write. And then beyond writing, you start to think about, hmm, as the candidate moves through the funnel, what kind of information would they need? And I start to write for that. So you start to build really, really deep skill sets in that space and then grow that out, usually horizontally, right, to new channels, to new tactics. So it stands to reason that this kind of growth is very much the same, but each additional add-on has fundamentally less value than the previous one. And that's interesting, right? If you are an expert at LinkedIn and you know all the ins and outs of how many hashtags are appropriate to use at any given time, and you know all the ins and outs of when to tag somebody and when not to tag somebody, or you've got really interesting strategies on what time of day or what day of the week to post stuff on, you are an expert at that thing. Great. So you add Instagram, which adds a lot of value because it's a whole other channel you haven't used. But every time you add a new skill set, it's less and less value. Right? If you double your value by going from Instagram to adding to uh, if you go from going from LinkedIn to adding Instagram, adding Facebook is not again doubling. It's quite a bit less. Each time you add on, you provide less add-on to the value. And that's mostly because the value isn't knowing how to complete the task, but in having an awareness of knowing when to decide to complete the task. And that means that as you go deeper and deeper into the technical side, into the tactical side of work. What you're kind of doing is working in a cul-de-sac. You can only get so good, right? You're never going to make $200,000 being the world's greatest specialist inside a company anyway. If you go outside and you decide you're an amazing writer of job postings or resumes or social, there's ways of making money. But being the expert inside the company in those things and adding more expertise only goes so far. What happens is you have to start to say, hmm, I know how to write that thing, or I know how to build that video, or I know how to run that event, or whatever that thing is. But you're still waiting for someone to tell you to run it. You're still waiting for someone to tell you to do the thing, which means 
you're not leading. You're not thinking strategically. So there's a limit to how far the tactical hat will get you. It's an amazing toehold in the industry, and I think most, most of the people I know who are good at this started here. We started writing or making videos or running events or what have you, and we expanded out, but you can only expand out so far. At some point, you have to expand up, and you start to put on the strategy hat. Now, it's a classic case of what got you here won't get you there. Being a, a walking encyclopedia of skills and tactics and settings that may make you indispensable to the team, but it doesn't actually get you promoted. You're never going to be director of recruiting social media. You're never going to be senior director of Instagram. It doesn't work that way, right? In order to raise your apparent value to the organization, you need to focus on being less on being the one who does stuff and more on being the one who makes smart decisions. That is a really crucial difference. Knowing like Photoshop, all the bells and whistles, and you got some plugins and you got some cool tricks and you've learned all sorts of wonderful stuff about Photoshop, knowing when Photoshop is not useful is more powerful than knowing a Photoshop at all. So this is the strategic hat level, the higher level thinking that decides what tool to apply, when to apply it, how to apply it, and frankly, if you should apply it. I mean, so anybody can make a video, I know, because I've made videos and I made a lot of videos on like iMovie, right? The most base level movie video software type stuff, right? I maximized that out a couple years ago. I got entirely too good at iMovie. But no one would hire me to just make iMovie videos. That'd be crazy. At some point you have to say, is that what we need? Is video the right solution? Yes, there's an avenue that says go from iMovie to the next iteration of software like DaVinci or After Effects or Final Cut Pro or whatever. But again, you're kind of building into a cul-de-sac. Strategy knows, yeah, this is the best time to make the movie. And frankly, this is the best subject to make and the point of view to make of that movie. That's how you know you're thinking strategically. You're not just thinking about how fast can I do it or what, how effectively can I do it or how quickly can I do it, but more like how do I maximize it broadly speaking. It really sees at a higher level. The strategy hat and the tactical hat are very often in conflict because they very much want different things. The tactic hat, the, the tactic hat, that sounds like tactic hat. Anyway, whatever. The tactical hat tends to make you feel really, really good when you complete a task and when you know how to solve that problem and then, and then solving it, right? The strategy hat feels good when it's created outside value relative to the work put into it. The strategy hat knows that there are times when tiny, almost imperceptible changes in a process has huge outsized impacts and feels really good at the impact, not about the effort taking or the arcaneness or the, the, the depth, the deftness by which you made that change. The tactical hat frets that no one noticed that they made that change because they're not usually accountable for solving the problem, they're accountable for the inputs going into the solution. Very different points of view. Additionally, what it takes to get better with each hat is very different. Adding a new skill to the tactic hat is pretty easy. You just go watch some videos online, maybe go to a class real quick. Adding new levels of competency as a strategy hat, well, that's a different thing. It takes a lot more work and a lot more experience to get good at that. You get better as a strategist by reading harder books and more complicated books and more complicated things. Not just a 20 minute vi video on how to make that change happen in, in Da Vinci. You really have to think bigger picture, which means a lot more work to elevate. Strategists see paths forward. 
And that's a skill that you can't go to school to learn. That's a skill you can't watch a video to learn. Frankly, you can't even read a book to do it, but a book generally, in my experience anyway, that's just me, helps you see the potential path and then you learn how to walk it on your own. But there's a third hat, right, that makes things even more complicated. So as you become a really good strategist, you may start to realize that there are levers and buttons of power within the company that you never seem to have access to. You feel a level or two removed from the people who seem to know how to get things done. It isn't always title or level, strictly I guess, but some people can always seem to get in the meeting. They're always invited to things. They're always on the periphery of announcements. They always know how to nudge something across the finish line. That is the politics hat or the political hat, depending on how you want to look at it. And it's both powerful and strange. Now, this isn't to say you should go out and buy Robert Greene's books and convince them all to memory about power and, and all that stuff. It, they're useful, I guess, in their own particular way, and they're not a waste of time. But the, the political hat is the ability to see an individual's motivations and drivers, to know what your opponent or even what your team member wants, and to move pieces and resources around in seemingly random ways until you deliver what they want. And then when you give them what they want, they give you what you want, right? You watch the first season of like House of Cards. That's probably the best example of how a political player can turn scraps of something into pressure and change and influence. The power is not in having the title. The power is knowing how to move people and, and resources into place so that you can either stand next to that announcement or you can stand next to that achievement or you can kind of point to that achievement and say, I had a hand in that. Or it's simply to stop something from happening, to make room for things. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. Now, these three concepts are, are vague. I mean, they're hats. I mean, that's completely abstract and whatever. But here's an example that illustrates how much of these hats and how they have their own merits, especially when the employer brand managers knows when to switch between them smoothly and easily. Let's say that you unilaterally decide to build some recruiting-focused social media content for inclusion into your existing LinkedIn channel. Why? Well, you know that the audience goes there for insight into what it might be like to work there. So you build a bunch of posts with photos that you know are going to engage and attract more prospects and still align very well to the consumer brand and the employer brand. You're not expecting a parade for all the amazing work you did, but you assume that eventually the marketing and comms team will realize the gift that you've given them and they're gonna send their thanks, but that's not how that works. Marketing and comms who claim exclusive ownership of that LinkedIn channel reject your posts outright and say that the channel should be exclusively consumer-facing only, despite that they have no evidence that consumers even engage there, right? 
despite feeling frustrated, you decide to build a separate recruiting-focused Instagram channel to show off the staff doing various employer branding type stuff. You're telling the same stories and using the similar kind of content, but now you're pointing it and using a different channel. Now, in the zeitgeist of that channel, you also throw in some inspirational quotes that align with your EVP, even if people don't clearly realize it. Sometimes it's a bit of a magic trick. It's, you don't have to point directly that here is, let me show you how the EVP works, but you can select content like quotes that support your EVP. You also start using a hashtag that you picked out because that's just kind of what you do. And I love when people say, who said you could make a hashtag? Well, uh, that's how hashtags work. Anybody can make a hashtag, but that's neither here nor there. So the best way to get the people to use a hashtag is to make sure they see it, which means you have to ask comms and marketing to occasionally add your hashtag to their work as appropriate. It's not really a big ask per se, but it will extend your audience and lend some legitimacy to your own work, your own channel, which you need early on. That's usually how it, the good seed gets planted and fertilized. That's how it grows. You get some awareness and some legitimacy very early on. Now in return, you tell marketing and comms teams that you'll reshare some of their content on your channel to help extend their reach. Then you have a chat with the events team and you convince them that your hashtag is official and that they should use it too. And in return, you'll make sure pictures of them at the events will be seen by more people internally and externally because everybody wants to be seen doing a really good job. That's just how people are, right? The end result of your ally building and regular content cadence is that you start to amass a nice little audience. Now the next step is to get more of the staff to use the hashtag organically when they share pictures and tweets from and about work. To start off, no one uses it, right? Because no matter how many of your posters you put up in the kitchen or the emails or reminders you send, who cares? It's not a thing they care about. It's not really on their mind, so they don't use it. But this time, you work with the business team leaders who have some pretty serious talent needs coming up, right? And you ask them to talk up the hashtag to their teams encouraging at least one post a week about office events, team celebrations, wins, whatever it is. You mention that the more content they make from their teams, the easier it is for you to promote their open roles. And that catches their attention and cements their commitment to doing that thing, of using the hashtag, of posting a lot with it. Finally, you go to some other business team leaders and show them that their peers are using that hashtag. In, in passing, you may remind them that you send your own metrics to the comms team on social and hashtag use, which gets reported up the chain. See what I'm doing there? Suddenly, those business leaders are happy to help. They don't want to be seen as being left behind, especially on something that their bosses might see. So this whole process, let's say it, take, it takes eight months. But your recruiting-focused Instagram channel is now working. It's drawing attention from candidates and recruiters. It's getting the content from staff shared all over the organization. That means it's time for your final phase of the plan. You book a quick 15-minute meeting with the marketing comms team to show off very nicely how your audience has grown into a real tribe of engaged users. You show them how your new audience, who are mostly prospects and can candidates who weren't, they weren't really reaching before, how they should be seeing their LinkedIn content and how their consumer-facing audience should be seeing your employer brand content. And after a very friendly conversation, because now suddenly they see the value of what you're doing, you're not asking for something, you're giving them something, you all agree 
that you can have one employer brand post per week on LinkedIn. Everybody wins, especially you. So did you see how many times you could have gotten trapped in a roadblock or an obstacle out of your control if you had seen the initial problem just as a tactical one? You would have been focused on trying to build better content for the comms team that they would just reject because they didn't see that you had value, right? It didn't get that political touch. You leveraged your ability to build content, which is a tactical hat, and you fuel your ability to move the game away from comms oversight, strategy hat, until you had enough success to meet them strength for strength on their own terms, political hat. So don't be fooled that by thinking, oh, the, the political hat is the best hat. <laughs> it's not. No, I will tell you, there are people in this industry who are amazing at the politics stuff. So much better than I will ever be. It is not my, my place to really shine. I can do it. It's not, it's not where I live. The politics hat is supported by the ability to think strategically and the skill to execute tactically. Look at that story we told. If you weren't able to actually build content i.e. tactical hat, you wouldn't have gotten the audience you needed early on, strategy hat, to come and help get the access to LinkedIn, which was your political hat. They add up to each other. They support each other. Cherish the tac tactical skill it takes to get started, the things you use, because you're going to use that every day. But you know that it's the addition of the ha new hats that give you the ability to make a bigger impact. If you look back on the book, the whole book, You'll notice that at any given time, what we're talking about and what we're showing off assumes that you'll be wearing one of those three hats. That kind of perspective might help you understand why a problem is occurring and how to resolve it, even brand new ways to resolve it, ways that have a much bigger impact than what might be right in front of you. All right, so if I do the math right, yeah, I'm gonna do the math right. Two more chapters. Next week, we're gonna talk about what it takes to make an employer brand, a great employer branding professional. And after that, final thoughts. I might have something afterwards. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for recruitmentmarketing.com for making all this possible. Go sign up and sign up, uh, sign up for the Ask Me Anything. It's the last one I'm doing in July. I think it's in a week or two based on when I publish this one. So go sign up for it. Thanks everybody and I'll see you next week. Bye. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out.